This is Podco Media Networks. It's the pilot episode of the Demystifying Data Podcast with Chris Clegg, where we deconstruct the tools and techniques marketers need to make data more actionable. Here's Chris. Let's talk about the dollar value of impressions. This is by far the most popular blog post we have on our website. It generates the most organic traffic on our blog at portma.com. And when we mention calculating the dollar value of impressions on Twitter at Portma, it gets the most activity. And it's a very common question we have when we talk to our agency clients and our brand clients. And it really is all about trying to figure out what is the ROI of experiential marketing? What is the ROI of marketing in general? And how do we deal with all those impressions that we collected and what those are worth? It's really three business data challenges we're talking about when we're talking about the dollar value of impressions. It has to start with, you know, how do I count impressions in a reliable fashion? That's the first problem we've got to solve before we could even start to think about the dollar value. And then out of that, we have to go into, you know, what are the impressions I should be collecting and what are the impressions I should be counting? And once you've answered that, once you've got a sense of how to collect that reliably and what you're trying to focus on, then you can start to think about what that dollar value is going to be. And we can look at what those dollar value of impressions are, how to get a reliable and a safe and a comfortable way of putting a conservative estimate against what was generated. So let's talk about reliability and reliability in data collection. Uh, It's very different than validity, believe it or not. The idea of data being reliable means that it's collected in a consistent, replicatable way. The idea that data is valid has to do with, is it accurate? And reliability is actually more important than validity or accuracy. And the reason is, is that if your data is reliable and you're making a mistake, then if you find out about that mistake and correct it, you can make that correction historically and bring things back into integrity. However, if you do not have reliability in your data collection methods and you are making mistakes and those mistakes are all over the place, they're based on individual preferences, they're based on decisions that are made by folks that no one's documenting what those decisions were, then if you start to discover the nature of your mistake or that you realize you're not doing it correctly, you can't go back and fix it. So everything you've done historically is useless. So we lean on reliability. The other benefit of reliability over validity is that if my data may be off, But if it's off in a consistent manner, then the proportional differences will be accurate. So there may be 100 at a street fair, 100 impressions at a street fair, and 200 impressions at a uh, retail activation. And that may be what was recorded. But it, it could be that that was off by a factor of 20, 30, or 40. But so long as it was reliable and that offness was consistent, then I can still say that the retail had twice the impressions of the street fair, if that makes any sense. So another example of reliability versus validity would be if you and I went to a state fair and we watched an activation and we recorded the number of impressions that were generated after that day of activity, but we didn't talk to each other. We just wrote them down on a piece of paper. When we got back to the office and we compared those pieces of paper, If our numbers were the same, if we both had the same number of impressions written down without talking beforehand, then the method we used to calculate those impressions would be deemed reliable. If our numbers were different, it wouldn't be. And you got to get to a place where you're recording impressions in a reliable manner, otherwise your data is crap and you're not going to get anything from it. So that's the first starting point. And and so the question then becomes, well, how do you do that? How do you collect data and what's the data you should be collecting when it comes to impressions so that you are getting reliable impression data? 
So let me talk about five categories of impressions and let me talk about a reliable method of calculating each. first category of impression has to do with mobile impressions. And mobile impressions are if you have a wrapped vehicle in market and you're driving from venue to venue, then we know that has value because, you know, billboards exist. Billboards are sold and there's a market for billboard-like out-of-home kind of exposure. And your branded vehicle is delivering that. And the method for counting impressions for branded vehicles moving around in market, it's actually a multiplier against the miles driven. And we look at miles as being all-purpose vehicle miles, so we, we don't try to dissect urban versus rural. And just for basic reasons of, of sanity, we're going to talk about them as all-purpose vehicle miles. And with those all-purpose vehicle miles, then we're going to be able to apply a multiplier. And there's actually an industry standard that was brought forth out of a study done by the American Trucking Association. The study is quite dated. It was done back in 1977, but it's, it's titled The Visual Impact of Trucks in Traffic. And they taught us that that multiplier in a conservative level should be around 101 impressions per all-purpose vehicle mile. Now, hopefully you're recording miles anyways for your DOT logs, but you get that starting mileage and the ending mileage from your DOT log. You get the total miles driven in market. You multiply that by 101 and you've got a reliable method for counting mobile impressions. If you want to be a little more on the liberal side of counting your mobile impressions, there's some studies that are done in the venture capital space that would argue the number might be closer to 220, but it has to do with the placement of the logo on the vehicle and that kind of gets complicated. So let's just start with, with 101 and you can take it to higher levels if need be. So then there's the on-site impressions or the impressions you generated from being on site in the first place. Oftentimes they're called event impressions. And on-site impressions really have to do with your sponsorship package, your signage, and then how that signage or that footprint presence relates to the foot traffic at the venue. And again, to keep things simple here, we're gonna start with the event attendance and we'll have an accurate number of event attendance. You can get that from the venue manager. Uh, it's gonna be a little exaggerated in most cases, all due respect to the venue managers out there. But you start with an event attendance. Other ways of getting a more accurate event attendance if you wanted to, sometimes if you're at a very large event, the local police are gonna have some accurate information. It's common in municipalities to require a police officer on site for every X number of people in attendance. And so the local police department is usually pretty good at knowing how many people were at different places. And then sometimes the press will be able to cite specific numbers and, and where those numbers came from. But either way, you get your event impression, your event attendance data, and then you look at where you were on site related to foot traffic. And if you were at you know, Grand Central, Action Alley, they had to walk through your footprint to get to the venue. It was the only entrance. 80% of attendance is a fair estimate. It's not 100% because we're always going to have somebody looking at their shoes. But 80% is going to be fairly defendable and easy to defend. Now, if you are along, right along vendor row, you've got a lot of other folks that you're competing for attention with. Um, they didn't necessarily have to walk through your footprint because there are multiple entrances or exits. Then you might want to think about something closer to 50% of attendance as being your on-site impression count. And then finally, you've got those uh, sponsorships that the, the, they were the last thing available. They're back by the bathrooms. They're, they're minimal presence. 30% or less is where you'd want to look at as a measure of on-site attendance in those scenarios. 
And those metrics of 80%, 50%, 30%, those are loosely based on an analysis of sponsorship fees that was done quite some time ago and looking at you know, what's the proportional difference between what you're paying with the assumption that paying differences will provide different levels of value and how does that vary? And we came up with 80, 50, and 30 as some general starting points. And it gives you a consistent method, a reliable method for getting on-site impressions. The third area that I want to bring your attention to has to do with word of mouth impressions or the viral spread, people talking about the amazing experience that you're delivering. And word of mouth is based on the number of advocates that you created as a part of your on-site experience. Advocacy is often measured with an exit survey. It can be done if you're doing any other net promoter score work or any kind of uh, basic measures of recommend intent. You can get and repurpose that for your word of mouth impressions here. If you don't have an exit survey as a part of your activation, you should consider one. But if you don't, you can rely on benchmarks. You can get industry benchmarks around recommend intent at different kinds of venues or markets or consumer types or different types of product experiential. But that benchmark will also serve you well. And with that recommend intent multiplied by the number of people you engaged at the experience, you can get an estimate of the number of advocates that you generated as a part of your activation. And this is going to be a reliable estimate. So if you engaged, let's say 100 people, and you had an 80% advocacy or 80% recommend intent, then it's fair to say that 80 people left the event with a high likelihood to recommend the brand. The next question is, well, what are the number of people they told? How do we know how that translates into impressions? And for that, I recommend that you lean on a study that was done still a little while ago, but not as bad as that American Trucking Association. It's much more recent, in 2006. And it was done by a group called the Keller Fay Group. And the study was called the Single Source Word of Mouth Measurement. And uh, word of mouth is often abbreviated as WOM. But in that report, that Single Source Word of Mouth Measurement white paper that they produced, they cited research that they did around how often people talk about brands when they have a positive brand experience and what's the rate at which they're talking to people. And that'll give you a multiplier. And it usually averages somewhere between three and seven as the number of people told. And you can take your advocates, in this case, the 80 advocates, and you can multiply it by whatever that multiplier is to get a word of mouth impression estimate. And that's how you get your word of mouth impressions. We talked about mobile impressions, we talked about on-site impressions, we talked about word of mouth impressions. You know, number four, I simply summarize as earned media. And earned media is when you get picked up by traditional media because of what you were doing or where you were, but it's not necessarily a placement that you paid for directly. So it might be that you have a hero shot on the cover of a magazine or that you're in the background on a news piece or you got picked up organically through the press, through influencers or bloggers or the like. And you're gonna lean on your clipping services for that data. I mean, you can, you can certainly do some tracking through hashtag tracking, and there's a lot of great, million different ways of doing that, and a lot of great services available that we won't go into here. But you're gonna get that from one form or another of your clipping service, and that's gonna give you a sense of earned media impressions. And 
then the fifth category is going to be your paid media impressions. And those are the impressions you bought outright. So if you had radio, print, television, digital as a part of your activation, and you were paying for a million impressions on Twitter, and those million impressions were purchased, then it's fair to say you got a million impressions generated. Those are five methods to capture what we believe is 95%, if not 100% of the impressions you're generating, those five categories, and then a reliable method to record each. So that leaves us with the final question of what's the dollar value of all that? How do I translate that impression count? All five of those categories counted methodically and reliably, added up, gives me one lump sum. How do I put a dollar value behind that? And there's an industry standard that you're going to want to lean on, and it's called Ad Value Equivalency, or AVE. And if you search AVE or Ad Value Equivalency up on Google, you'll see a wide range of information and a ton of different resources that talk about it. But basically, the idea of AVE modeling is that the dollar value of an impression is what it would have cost to have bought that impression otherwise. So you, you start to lean on comps. You start to lean on, you know, what are the, the rate at which impressions for this type of demographic profile, for this type of consumer, what do they tend to go for? And then you start leaning on all the different stuff that happens with rate cards and with the, the cost of media buys. So if you're looking at uh, an online media buy for a banner ad, you might pay anywhere from a dollar to $10, depending on who you're targeting. If you're looking at a freestanding insert in a newspaper, it's between 5 and $7, depending on the market you're in. If you're looking at floor graphics in Walmart or shelf talkers, you might be talking between $22 to $25 per thousand. And if you're looking at uh, direct mail, it could be anywhere from $12 to $17 per thousand. So media is purchased in units of 1,000 CPMs, and they're going to have a wide range of CPM costs. And your goal as a starting point is to take the average of all of that, and that may be unique for the brand or for your organization. But all else being equal, it's fair to start at around $12 CPM. And then as you work with and think about that $12 CPM, you may want to get more accurate or, or be more methodical about how you calculate it, but it's a fair starting point when we think about the world of media and what media advertising costs. So a $12 CPM, what that means is if you generated 5,000 impressions and you're using a $12 CPM as your estimated value of impressions or your AVE or ad value equivalent, then those 5,000 impressions generated five CPM buying units. And at $12 a piece, that's $60 in value. So those 5,000 impressions did generate $60 in ad value equivalency for the activation. And you can add up all your impressions. You can divide by 1,000 and multiply by that $12. And that gives you a rough starting point for the value of your impressions. And you can also get a little more specific if you wanted to get fancy with it and look at the individual channels and what those tend to be. So you can look at mobile impressions as a billboard equivalent. You can look at on-site impressions as a, as a factor of your sponsorship. You can look at earned media as an equivalent of your digital impressions if that's what it was all about. So you can break them down by channel if you'd like, but a good starting point is $12 per thousand or 1.2 cents per impression. Let me say one thing about digital media and AVE, if I could, before we wrap things up, because I'd be remiss if I didn't talk about this uh, certain aspect of AVE and digital that can really demonstrate value in an exponential way. So you have your impressions. You have the number of people that became aware of the brand as a part of the digital, either earned or paid media. But what's different is the call to action or what was driving people to the web or what drove that presence. And were there any call to actions that resulted in a click 
because of that. So if you had marketing that was pushing a certain hashtag and that hashtag was associated with a URL and that URL was landing them on a page that in some way moved the consumer through the purchase cycle, moved them towards a revenue generating event, then that click, those clicks have value beyond just the impressions that are circling around them. Those clicks have a value that are equivalent to what it would have cost to have purchased that click through a campaign. So let's say, and sometimes that money can be significant. So if you're in the finance or the mortgage industry, take for example, or maybe some medical or some legal categories, clicks can run 50, 75, $100 or more. And, and if you're generating a campaign that's generating impressions that are driving call to actions that result in clicks to destination pages, that move people towards a revenue generating event, then those clicks have the value equivalency of what it would have cost as a CPC or a PPC campaign. So keep that in mind and, and don't sell yourself short. If there's if that's a part of your activation, let's make sure you get those captured. And that's how we would approach calculating the dollar value of impressions and how we would think about counting impressions and how we do it in a reliable way. Demystifying Data Podcast premieres in July on Podco Media Networks and the top podcast apps. Check demystifyingdata.co for updates.